When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Brought to you by North Memorial Health, where customers are treated like family. That means a big smile when you walk in the door and making sure your visit is as pleasant as possible. Just like your family treats you, find your health family at NorthMemorial.com slash family. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. It's Purple Daily. Oh, yeah, it's just it's depth, you know, and Cole coming back means a lot to his defense and TBs, you know. If anyone's tired, you know, we got trust and believe that he's going to come in and help out. He's been doing it since he did it last year. He can do it again this year. That was Minnesota Vikings cornerback Xavier Rhodes, Matthew Collar, former Minnesota Viking Alex Boone here today on Purple Daily as we count down and get closer to the Vikings in Kansas City. Alex, I'm getting excited about this one, man. I feel like it's been a while since we had legit hype for a Vikings game. Dude, it's been too long. I am super hyped, and I'm excited that you are too. I mean, think about when was the last time? Uh, Philadelphia some, but we knew that that was a pretty flawed team and that the Vikings should win. Definitely not Washington. Detroit, again, a little bit, but not really. Certainly not the Giants. This feels like the most hyped we've had for a game since they lost at Chicago, I think. No, for sure. This has definitely been it's been a long time because I think that once we got into Philly and then even Detroit, it was kind of like ah, oh, these this teams are they're overpowering them. Like this is no match for this team today. This should be a cruise on. Now you're kind of getting into a game that both sides match up kind of nice, and you're like, wow, this could be a really, really nice game. So here's what I want to talk about. Aside from if you have any ironic costume ideas for the Vikings, <laughs> feel free to just intermittently put them in. I propose the idea of me being a flag and then throwing myself at Xavier Rhodes like wow. when I saw him in the locker room. Yeah, well, it's it's ironic, get it? Like, cuz he gets flagged all the time. Um I bet he'd laugh at that though. Like if I were a player He has a good sense of humor, yeah. And you did something like that, I would laugh hysterically. Like even if you did it at me, I'd be like, "Dude, that is so clever. I'm going to answer whatever you want to ask now." Cuz you really you could do you it almost me. anybody in the locker room now the way they've called flags. Like everybody has been uh, flagged yeah. in some way. But yeah, that, it would be, but it's also one of those like, ah, I got to be professional about the way I go about my job. I can't yeah. be walking to the locker room with, like dressed like a flag. Um, anyway, so if, if I were on the team, maybe I would do that. But uh, even, you, no, 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 you wouldn't want to do it because you wouldn't want to be a teammate like, dude, guess what? I am a flag. Ha <laughs> ha, jump at him. Like, oh, okay. All right. You're not a good teammate. You'd be the better if you were the media because that is like a total shot in the dark somebody like his locker mate would have to die laughing (laughs) the media guy just got you with the flag that's hilarious oh yeah it's uh it it is unfortunate that 
football can be like this where it's it's supposed to be it's just like this is not a funny situation this is football but so many funny things happen all the time like little just things that you see in the locker room or you know out in the practice field or whatever else like even the apparatuses that are used in practice are all <laughs> funny like like i'll stand next to i'll watch like daniel hunter hitting the bag and it's like shaped like a person he's hitting it and you're like does this really help you man like I, yes, would you need that? Yes, <laughs> you need. It's this like sled? it's like the shoots. Everyone's like, dude, do you really have to crawl inside that machine that keeps <laughs> yeah, you that lower? That super funny. You're right. right. You, you think that's funny until you stand up underneath it. And you don't think you're standing up, but all of a sudden you just get knocked out, and you're like, all right, maybe I'm just gonna bend my knees a little bit lower, and it's never a problem again. It, they're they're funny though. Like I I hear you guys laughing about the donuts and the balls that they throw. As offensive linemen, we laugh at them too because they're just they keep throwing these silly balls at them, and they're just pushing <laughs> what does them away. What does that do? What does that red ball thing. do? I'm like, dude, what are you guys trying to simulate over there? Because you're driving the rest of us nuts. You're like, it's supposed to simulate someone cutting you, and you're supposed to block it, like push it away. Like, no, go down. And you're like, dude, really? A ball? A ball? <laughs> I've oh. always wondered. I mean, I've always wanted to do the long-form article about what the red ball does. Uh, there you go. But I guess that's the answer, and it's really not that exciting. But it I'm is sorry. It is super funny to see pro athletes you know, go like you would do that to nine year olds or something, like knock down the ball. And and here's like Eric Kendricks like, ah, knocking it down with both of his hands. Granted, it's a heavier ball, okay. I don't think people understand. It's like a big medicine ball, like a Bosu ball that weighs probably I don't know, fifty pounds, seventy five pounds. I mean it's heavy because they have to really roll it at you and you have to stop the momentum. <laughs> I mean, there's a whole process to it. Because I was wondering the same thing like so great. How hard could this be? And then one day we tried it. It was like, all right. I don't want to do that again. That wasn't fun. But then you look at like the crash pad, and you're like, why is there a big 10-by-10-foot oh, yeah. pad out here? Like, What are you guys doing? And you just see O-Lyman run and jump on it, and you're like, what a bunch of idiots. Like, I have a video. I forget who it is. Maybe it's like Joe Berger or somebody. Because oh I think God. I thought it was funny because he was like 37 or something. <laughs> I would do this as a child with the couch. We're just running, and he knocks a bag over and falls on it, and it goes... Oh. <laughs> And then it takes forever to go get it. It takes everybody so long to bring the bag back. And then it's like, who's going to get the bag? Dude, there's such a drama-filled show with it. Like It's like, all right, listen, rookies get the bag. I'm done. And then you have to roll into it. Like The coaches get mad, and they're like, do it again. You're like, why? Like, didn't roll into it, dude. Oh, my God. Seriously? I look yeah. like a clown this, jumping into I'm the ground. I'm 35. Like, it's terrible. I'm an adult. Never works either. So. Oh, man. That's great. Anyway, Kansas City. So uh, if you think of any ironic costume ideas or whatever, I would love to go as the red ball and then have someone just like hitting <laughs> just me, push you. pushing me down. Go as the donut. Whatever. I'm the cut donut, everybody. I'm the cut donut, guys. Uh, all right. So I, I sent you an email for um, the I wanted to come up with a couple of things here so we can decide soon whether the vikings are a real contender like what we need to see to know whether they're a real contender and just before we came on here rami and i were talking about the second half schedule and how interesting it is um from the perspective of the vikings are better than every team maybe except green bay on the rest of their schedule but there are plenty of reasons to think that a lot of these teams could be roadblocks based on the wins that the Vikings have right now because all the wins are over bad teams. And Alex, I think as a, as, as a broad point here, it's been amazing to me to see that in the NFL right now, the great teams are great. Like they're putting up right. big numbers and right, they look right, like right. they're machines and the mediocre teams are bad. And then the bad teams should be relegated. I mean, Real bad. right? Yeah. I mean, yep. I don't know if the, I've ever seen the gap be so big. And I know that all players will say, hey, that's. 53 NFL guys over there. He's like, well, 
Yeah, is I it? know, but <laughs> is it will though? they be for more than this year? And that's yeah. how, and that's how I felt about some of these wins. I, I love the way the second half schedule sets up for us to really find out about this team. I agree with you. I think that when you look at this, there's some teams on here that we thought we were going to be good. We just talked about it. Philly, like when we played them, their back end was just decimated, and they still are. Like people talk about they're a contender, they're not a contender. People are going to run by them in the playoffs, so that you can't consider them a team. But I think for me, when you're looking at this team, you're like, hey, what do you want to see in the back half? Number one, I want to see what this offensive line can do. And I want to see him clean up some of the miscommunications. And I think it's easier for me to see some of the things than normally like you guys see it. But every once in a while, you'll see a guy just run completely free into the backfield, right? And normally somebody's like, oh, somebody slipped or something. But it's really not, though. And everyone's kind of like scratching their heads, looking at each other. The guys are like, wait, was I wrong? Were you wrong? Like, mm-hmm. Who's wrong? Like, as a football player, I hate to see that because you're like, man, it should never be like that. Like on the field, somebody should always know whose fault it was. It was my fault. It's not like was it was it you or was it me? I wasn't. Sh- what you call? You know, not sure. Like <laughs> you got to clean that up when you go into the playoffs. You have to be really sound because there's so many more factors that go into the playoffs. And the, you talk about like the pressures on, and everybody feels the pressure. But then again, are you playing at home? And when you're playing a, a team at their home in the playoffs, it's like everything's amplified. So you don't have time to make mistakes like that. So that's why I want to see that get cleaned up. Like. Right now. So uh, what's interesting to me about that is the Vikings, and I, and I know you love the pro football focus grades, but just love to it. give us a starting point, um, are graded in pass blocking by PFF 24th in the NFL, which I think is fair and also concerning. Um, because even though they haven't had a ton of pressures lately and a ton of sacks lately, you can see how Kevin Stefanski and Gary Kubiak have schemed Kirk Cousins away from trouble in a lot of instances by using rollouts and bootlegs and things like that. But in those situations where he has to straight drop back, there are still shortcomings. Riley Reef has played better recently, but do we trust him against Zedarius Smith the next time those guys match up, right? right? And do we trust him in a playoff game against... Nick Bosa or something right. like probably not. And right. Pat Elfline, I think a, a closer look has been a good run blocker for them, but not a good pass blocker at all. And, and so you have Bradbury who's faced easier competition recently and he's improved because of that. But when you get to the playoffs, how likely is it that the other team doesn't have a great nose tackle or three technique or something like that, that he's going to have to match up with? And that's where in the second half, I think it's a great point that there will be some opportunities, not every single week, but some opportunities for this offensive line to say, no, we actually are better. We are much closer to the team that you saw beat Philly or beat Detroit or beat Washington than we are the team that got run out of the building by the Chicago Bears defensive line. Right, and like you said, there's so many teams right now that are playing so hard. Look at the Saints, right? Their defense is on fire. Yeah. Like, we're not sure who's better, the offense or the defense, and that's saying a lot. And you look at the Niners, it's the same thing over there. They're like beating the Patriots in most statistics. Yeah. Like, that's incredible. People are saying this Patriots team is like a team from a generational, like, forever time and you're like wait a minute this young 49ers team is technically a little bit higher than them like wait what what yeah oh my god like they're just making people look like mince me and that brings me to my next point is i want to see what they do with if they don't have a run game and i'm curious and i still think that you get the threat like people are still going to always be afraid of dalvin right like yeah unless dalvin is not suited up for a game there will be eight men in that box at all times because you never know what's going to happen but I say there's going to be a team that eventually will stop them. 
the, the Niners could stop them in the run. Technically, the Saints at home could stop them in the run. You know, any of these games at Viking stadiums, I think it's a huge advantage to the Vikings. But I'm saying, let's say we're on the road, and then all of a sudden you hit the playoffs and you run out of your gas in your run game, and it's like, okay, well, this is the first time we've hit this. Like, I feel like you should be prepped a little bit. Like, hey, man, if and I'm sure there's going to be a team. I mean, you're looking at this schedule: the Seahawks. I mean, the Lions. I mean, they're not obviously tough, but that's always a tough game to play. The Bears again, the Packers again. Like, there's going to be someone that stops the run game, and I'm curious to see. What does Kirk Cousins do? And not only that, but what does Stefanski do? Does it all of a sudden get a little prettier? Does it all of a sudden get a little more complex? Does it all of a sudden, like, like what's the next step? We haven't really seen the next step after we toss Dalvin the ball, Dalvin runs the ball. And okay. then we do a play action off of that right. same play, and it works. That's, that's great. That is so awesome. If you can walk into the playoffs like that, do it. Believe me, you're going to love it. But there's going to be someone eventually that kind of gets you a little bump in the road. And from there, it's like, okay, well, now what do we do? What's the next step? Okay, guys, there is no run game. Now we go to this step. And it's like, what is that step? Is it going to be more play action? Is it going to be, okay, all of a sudden the team's like kind of like, hey, listen, guys, they're play action on us. Maybe we could play a little more nickel. Right? And all of a sudden, they're playing a different defense, and then play action's kind of not working. And then it's like, well, what's the next step? Like, I'm just curious. And, and it's not just this team. There's so many teams that I have questions for. Like, okay, you're kind of killing people the same way. What's your next step? Like, if you run out of gas on this, where do you go from here? Like, I'll give you an example. San Fran. If you run out of gas, what is Jimmy going to give you? I know you have a stellar defense. There's a few teams that have stellar defenses, and that's great. But you still have to be able to put up points because you're going to, all these stellar defenses are going to meet in the end. And it's like, okay, now it's really going to be the nitty gritty. Who can really run the rock? Who can really put the ball in the tight windows? That's going to be a huge, huge part of this. I mean, this is a a great question for this Vikings team that they're going to have to answer because I even look at last year's Los Angeles Rams team, and they had a couple of games there where opponents seemed to figure them out. Uh, on defense and slow them down a little bit. Not that they were bad or anything, but they had that section of their schedule where they were slowed by the Lions, then beaten by the Bears, and then beaten by Philadelphia. And they took care of business at the end of the season, got into the playoffs, and things were tough. They should have lost to the Saints. They scored three points in the Super Bowl. And look, if you get to the Super Bowl, it's been great and, you know, whatever. But uh, I think it's just an example of an offense that looked absolutely unstoppable for the first half of the season, and then all the sudden looked a little more human in the second half when teams had their opportunities to adjust and that might be what the Vikings are facing here maybe not even this week because Kansas City played Sunday night so their schedule is even you know tightened up a little bit here but as we go forward you know you get the bye week in there and you get some Monday night games where teams have an extra day to prepare for you and you've put so much on tape by now I wonder, Alex, what we're going to see as it pertains to the running game in some ways, but also the play actions that come off of it. What are we going to see from opposing defenses as some type of adjustment now that the Vikings have established kind of their core principles of their offense? Right, and it's like you said, how are they going to attack the Vikings? And and you look at all these defenses, and you're like, dude, how many of these defenses can truly stop the run? And not just any run, because it's easy when it's, you know, when you're talking about some of these other teams, but you talk about like a Vikings, that there is a running back that just loves to grind yards, and he loves to just give me the ball as soon as you can, let me do what I got to do. I mean, that is what makes him so special. And you look around this league and you say, okay, well, how many linebacking cores are equipped to even take this on? And there aren't a lot of them. 
So that's to me is like, okay, well, we got a great thing going. What if we were to just add a little something to it? Like I feel, I feel like the next step is once the easy stuff kind of starts to get shut down. Like, all right, someone's onto the toss. Well, we're just gonna saw dog them, or we're gonna we're gonna drop the corners in, or you know, we're gonna you know, we start talking about the inside zone. We're gonna start middle dog crossing them more. You know, these are all tendencies that defenses will start to pick up on. But after that, it's like, okay, well, what's step two? Because that's got to be really fun to watch. Like maybe even two running backs out on the field. Like something's because eventually it just gets more complex as you start stopping it. Their coaches are like, okay, listen, they're onto the simple stuff. Let's start hitting them with the fancy stuff where we have smokes and screens and whys and hides and all this cool stuff. And that's what I'm really excited to see. So uh, as just circling back to the running game, um, is there a team who could slow down Delvin Cook in your mind in the second half of the season? Because I agree with you. What I would love to see from this team is to get in a game where they have third and seven a few times. Right. Third and eight. Third and nine. And... Prove that they can make big plays on on third down with Kirk Cousins dropping straight back or playing from the shotgun and continue drives going because last year that was where they ran into a lot of trouble was they weren't running the ball very well and they end up in second and eight, third and nine all the time. This year they haven't so much. And when you're in second and three, there's just every opportunity in the world. You could play action. You could run. You could do whatever you want. You can run a, a reverse or jet sweep or something. I mean, it's the right. whole playbook is open. But where the great quarterbacks seem to shine is – you give Deshaun Watson third and nine, and he gets pressured, and no one's open, and then he rolls out and gets kicked in the eyeball and makes a play anyway, <laughs> right? It's like it doesn't matter yeah. with these guys. Or Aaron Rodgers makes that crazy throw that, that he did last week. That's something that I think Kirk Cousins uh, is one of his shortcomings and that you have to do when you get to the playoffs to prove you're a Super Bowl contender is have a situation where you can't necessarily run the ball, where one part of your game has been taken away and you need to excel in another part of your game. That's what they really haven't had to do so far this year. Right, and that's why I'm saying when they get in the playoffs, you hate to see a team that kind of, for the first time in the season, they kind of struggle in the playoffs. Like, you very rarely do you see that happen. Like, a team just kind of go through the year. And I'm not saying that the Vikings haven't had their ups and downs, but they have, and they're mostly ups right now. And it's, you cruising on into the playoffs, and then all of a sudden you hit the playoffs, and it's like, dude, we don't have a run game this week. What's going on? And you're in the middle of the game, and you're like, man, what's the next step? You know, like, it's just... I feel like if it's been if it's happened before or if it's been done before and it's like oh dude they got this they're going to be fine watch he's going to put it you know they're going to turn to this or like you said they're going to how are they going to make the play action more complex I don't think you can I think they're doing a fabulous job because when you start doing play action powers and counters and you have safeties running down to tackle the -hmm. running back that's incredible to me like you're you're making it so much easier for the offensive line and you're talking about like hey how how are there ways to hide O lines that's a huge way right there like you can run any play off of a play action a power, a counter, a trap, a wham, a zone, a wide zone, a toss off of a play action, a defense will forever just be like, we're not really sure what they're doing, especially because there's the threat that even if you do stay gap sound and you're 100% perfect, there's a huge chance that Dalvin Cook could just run right through your face. Like, dude, (laughs) you could have everything aligned in the world, and you're still not going to make the tackle because he's just going to run you over. Like, that's scary for a defense. So I did a a piece on our website, scorenorth.com, about how the Vikings are checking off all the boxes of modern offenses, like using motions and using a very high percentage of play actions. And one thing that I was really impressed by, Alex, when looking back at the tape for the piece, was the incredible number of different looks from play action. Like there's a 
fake reverse on one play. There's a power look on one play. There's a zone look on one play. And they talk about marrying the run in the pass, but it's also about giving a ton of different looks where it's not always the same play action. It's not always the zone bootleg. It's straight straight drop backs. It's rolling right. It's rolling left. And I think Kevin Stefanski has done a great job of taking what Gary Kubiak has as his core Kubiak offense and then saying, well, what are the, what do the great minds of offense do around the NFL? What does Kyle Shanahan do? What does Sean McVay do that works and makes life more difficult for defenses? And I think he's added all of those things. And through the first half, Stefanski kind of showed why a, he should have had the job last year. Just throwing that out there. <laughs> just but, saying, just saying, just saying, said it then saying it now. Yeah. Uh, but then, you know, but also like, proved himself as an offensive coordinator that he could do it. I'm not saying that I'm uh, championing him the next great head coach in the NFL or the offensive guy or whatever else, but just what he's put on tape so far has looked like an offense from 2019 and going forward as opposed to sometimes in the recent past the Vikings have had antiquated offenses. I agree, and it just looks so old school and terrible, and you're like, dude, oh, DiFilippo, what were you thinking? Bro, just run the ball. But I agree. I like it. And if you look at a lot of these offenses, these new, I don't know, whatever you call them, the newer offenses, it's all based predicated off the F-back, right? Like, what, who's in motion? Where's he going? What's his job? What's his role? What's the quarterback looking at? I mean, there's so many options now in these plays. I mean, you look at all these plays that San Fran's running right now and even here in Minnesota and all these young quarterbacks that can move around it's just they got so many motions and there's a sweep and then a fake reverse and then off of it he's throwing a screen pass and you're like dude what just happened like defenses don't know if you're running it if it's a swing route if it's a screen route like there's just you're seeing all these because the coaches are saying to themselves hey listen the defensive guys have so much on their plate if we just throw them a couple guys in front of them running around Right before the snap, in their mind, they're thinking, this guy's got to be important to the play, right? How is he important? Where is he going? And what's his job? And sometimes they're just messing with the defenses because they want to mess with them. You know, they'll, hey, listen, we're going to bring you in because we want him to think he's getting cracked, or we want him to think he's getting chipped, or we're going to bring you across because we want you to think he's getting chipped. And then you're going to come all the way back in a wide hide. It's how are we going to make this look like a zone this way, but it's really a power to the, you know, a zone to the right, but it's a power to the left. You know, that's what they want right now. And defenses are struggling because they're like, I'm going left, I'm going right, guys are over here, this looks like this look, this looks like a screen from last week, this looks like a screen from three weeks ago. I mean, they're just throwing everything at these defenses. And it's fun and exhilarating, but when it doesn't go well, that's when you need to kind of pull back. And I feel like that's what's happening in Cleveland, is that they got a little too saucy, and now they need to bring it back a little bit. Uh, Alex Boone, Matthew Collar here, Purple Daily. I definitely want to uh, you rung a bell there in my mind about Baker Mayfield. Yes, I, I wanted to ask that. you in hot routes. Yeah, okay, all right, we can talk about it then. Uh, I can add it. I put in four, so I've got room for one more hot route. We could just do it five. Just have, have you ever asked a question that was stupid? Yes. <laughs> oh, have I? Yeah. Oh, for sure. I've That's at, what I want to know. Uh, yeah, okay. Yeah, we can get to that. I'll try to. I'll try to think. And one particular incident when I was coming uh, covering hockey came to mind. So oh, let me let me works. add that to our list of hot routes. That's at three. We'll get Judd Zolgad in here as well, and we'll continue your list of what we need to see from the Minnesota Vikings to be convinced in the second half of the season that they could be a legitimate Super Bowl contender. And I've also um, I had a thought about the the way that the NFC has played out, and I want to run it by you. 
uh, when we come back. Matthew Collar, Alex Boone here on Purple Daily. North Memorial Health has over 400 care providers. That's right, more than 400 care providers and more than 6,000 team members that are dedicated to keeping you healthy. North Memorial Health is proud to partner with the Minnesota Vikings as they work to make Minnesota the healthiest in the league. They're more than a team at North Memorial Health. They're your family. At North Memorial Health, customers are treated like family. Your health family is more than a tagline. It's a commitment to delivering unmatched customer service. That means a big smile when you walk in the door. That means making sure your visit is as pleasant as possible. It means asking, what else can we do for you? North Memorial Health will treat you like family in a good way. The people at North Memorial Health will team up with you to help you achieve your best health. So step up your health care game today and find your health family at northmemorial.com slash family. Once again, that's northmemorial.com slash family. Hey, just uh, proud of him and, 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 you know, the way that he's handled everything and the way that he focuses and, um, you know, his attitude and uh, the way he um, goes about his business. Those are the things that we see every day, you know, whether it be OTAs, training camp, uh, we see that fire under him every single day. So um, it's not, not surprising to us, um, but at the same time, we're, we're proud of it. Um, you know, it it's, uh, couldn't happen to a better person. Um, somebody who, who can handle the you know the tough times and the good times. So again, we're very fortunate to have him as our as our leader of this offense and this team. Okay, I've got another ironic Vikings costume. Ready? Let's hear it. Just uh, go as cough medicine and walk up to Stefan Diggs and be like, "Huh? Are you over it? You, you good? You need me? We good? You good? You, you good? over that cold?" It's the the you know the you had your best medicine was the touchdowns and Dude, the yards. But you're sharp today. Thank you, thank you. You you are awfully sharp. I bring it, and when people hear the hot routes, I'm very proud of these hot routes as well. That's coming. They were, up at three. These o'clock. are real blazing hot routes. Yeah, these, I just want these you are. Know these are hot. These are thank blazing. You. Appreciate that. Right, um, I'm sorry. So let me throw my NFC question at you. Yes. Um, I, I was doing some uh, calculating and counting and so forth, and here's what I came up with: looking at other team schedules. It would shock me if the NFC was anything more than a seven-team race. Like, every once in a while, you see somebody come out of nowhere, you know, let's say the Bears, and then they win eight in a row or whatever. Like, But it's sure. not, not going to happen this no, year. No, the no. bad teams are really super bad, and we can look right now and say which teams are going to make the playoffs, which ones are going to miss, except for one. But I don't know who that one is. Someone from the NFC East is making it because you have to because the rules are stupid and right. they should not have it this way. Agreed. If someone is nine and seven and wins the NFC East, they shouldn't knock out a ten and six team from another division. That doesn't make any sense. But alas, someone will. So let's just say that's going to be Cowboys or Eagles. NFC North is going to be Packers, Vikings. The NFC South is the Saints, probably nobody else, and the NFC West is 49ers, Seahawks, and Rams. And that's seven teams. Someone is going to be left out of this party. And this is just sort of why I love the second half, because all the teams that I named outside of the Cowboys slash Eagles, all those other teams are really good at football. All of them deserve to be in the playoffs, and one of them won't be. Either the Packers, Vikings, Saints, 49ers, Seahawks, or Rams. Someone's being left out. I just think it makes for a great race going down the stretch. It's the good teams all racing against each other for who gets that, basically, um, who avoids being left out of the playoffs. 
It's like you said, and don't think that the players right now in the locker room don't notice that. Like that, we always took like, where are we right now in the playoff hunt? Like we're in. All right, we're good. If you're not in, then you're like, God, I got. I really hope. Oh no, Alex. Lose. Players say they never look at the standings, and I that's believe them. That's such a lie. That's such a lie. Like, what? We, we're, I've, I've never been lied to. Yeah, by at the athletes. beginning of the week, you're like, dude, where are we? Are we in the playoffs? We're not. Oh God, now we need who to lose. God, they're never gonna lose. God, <laughs> like you just know because you're like, it's our team versus their team, and God likes them better than us. I just know it. I know we're bad. I mean, this is you're 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 exactly right. I don't think there's anybody that's going to shock you. But here's the thing that people don't get to. You could trip up real easy. Like yeah. it's easy to look up from working and go, "Hey guys, <laughs> we're kind of in this thing, aren't we?" <laughs> like all of a sudden, things just start going bad, and you start thinking you're better than you are. And you know, especially you talk about some of these teams that are playing really hot right now. Imagine if they go on a few, you know, lose a couple games. Yep. I mean, things happen. Injuries happen. This is football. You have half a season left. Sometimes, and we say this now, but we're like, yeah, there's seven teams that really hate it. You're right. One of those other teams could jump in just as quickly because mm-hmm. one of these teams falls. One of these guys, something happens. You know, you, you all of a sudden go on a bad luck of holding on to the football, turnovers, penalties. You know, that was one more thing I wanted to see in the back end was the penalties go down. And not only on this team, but like the refs. Like, I want to see the penalties kind of go down. Let them play football a little bit. I get that there's times when it's like, hey, listen, man, that's an arm bar. Like, he can't grab the ball. I got you, dude. Like, that's a flag. But when they're hand fighting and things are kind of, you know, not even really that monotonous, like, you're like, dude, he barely even touched them. Like, let it go. Let them play football. This is what these guys want to do the last eight games of this year. They want to just go out and be like, listen, we're going to separate ourselves or we're not. And in order to do that, sometimes it gets a little muddy. And I agree with that. So let them separate themselves and let these guys go out there and play. Was that next on your list? Because you made a list of five things you need to see from the Vikings to believe that they can be Super Bowl contenders as we go forward here. Your first was better offensive line play, or at least more consistent or against good teams, and winning without a running game. If someone takes away the running game, can you still succeed? What's the next one on your list? That was it right there. It would be the backhand penalties. But then I just took it a little step further and was like, for the league in general, because I just... There's so many penalties right now that you're like, dude, I don't agree with this. This is like we're we're, we're looking at ticky tack fouls. It's taking too long to look at a penalty. Like you either look at it and you go, yeah, that that he impeded the throw, or he did it. But you can't just keep doing this week in and week out, and everyone's getting pissed. And now I'm starting to get pissed because I'm agreeing with them. Like, dude, you're taking some of these really tight games and you're making them not so fun for these guys. And this is the football that's supposed to be fun to watch: is these really close games, and all of a sudden teams just start separating themselves because the penalties. And you know, I'm not saying that all these teams like the Browns. A lot of their penalties are pre-snap that's just stupidity to me like you have all this time to work on all this stuff you need to focus on that but for the league in general these refs got to let these guys play well so uh when you look at the vikings they have had issues with penalties but especially in two areas the first one is xavier Rhodes, and i don't know what they're supposed to do about that because the way that xavier Rhodes plays when he's at his best is very physical it's very grabby it's got his hands on people and it seems that when he's lost a step it sort of shines more that he is using his hands to to give him an advantage so you're going to get called on normal pass interferences like the one against washington where maybe it's not intentional that your arm whacked the guy in the face but it did so that's a penalty sorry man uh but the other ones are kind of Xavier Rhodes style penalties where he Esk. reaches out, yes. yeah, Rhodes esque, and he grabs somebody. I don't know what the solution to that is. I, I did a piece on pass interference a few years ago, and Jerry Gray and I talked for quite a while about all the teaching techniques and everything else. But when somebody is part of their fundamental success in the game is being grabby, asking them to tweak that or change that, I think is going to be really hard. 
I agree, and that's why I'm saying I think these refs need to let them play because there are so many cornerbacks like that in the league right now. They're like, dude, I like to get a little physical. I like to get a little handsy, and I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Dude, you're out there to play a vicious sport. If a dude jams you at the line and you can't get around him, you probably didn't deserve that ball to begin with. I'm sorry. Like, I don't mean to be the guy to be the bearer of bad news. These guys need to let them play, and that worries me because you talk about some of these quarterbacks going into the playoffs that could use that to their advantage. Hey, listen, you know we're going to target Rhodes a little bit more. We're going to try and put a little pressure on him. And to be honest with him, I don't think he's doing anything wrong. Yeah, he's push, he's jamming the receivers. Yeah, he's he's hand fighting the receivers, hand fighting with him too. Like it's not just a one way street here. So it's it's this whole new rule, this stupid replay thing. I never agreed with any of this. I just don't like it. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, I, I understand. And when you see that the penalties as a whole have gone up, it's not just you. It's not just football fans being a prisoner of the moment and always feeling like there are too many penalties. Like, No, there actually are more, and it's slowing down the game, and it is making it more difficult to watch when you get two, three, four plays in a row that have some type of penalty. Like, come and on, And you're guys. all the way – I mean, I'm talking about, like, the Detroit game. They pretty much go down the field on flags. You're like, dude, uh-huh. really? Yep. Are, are we really going to watch this right now? We're going <laughs> to let Detroit stay in this game off flags alone? <laughs> like, to me, that's sloppy football. Yeah. And I and it, there's no place for that. And in the pre-snap ones, that's just – got to quit, though. Like, you you have zero time to mess around, especially in an opponent's stadium, in the playoffs. you got to worry about keeping the ball in your own hands. And then you're like, hey, listen, we got a pre-snap penalty. That was dumb. The tackle's too far in the backfield. Dude, they tell you like 10 times before they throw that flag. I'm not even kidding you. I used to be there all the time. Like They'd be like, hey, dude, you need to move up. Like, you need to move up. Like That's the fifth time I've heard that guy say that. This is becoming a problem with you. They'd be like, no, dude. No, no, no. They're not going to throw that flag next series. Beep. Like, dude, we're back five yards for something stupid. Like, this was so not yeah. needed right now. We didn't need to. And that's another thing. They're such drive killers. You have great momentum, yep. and all of a sudden you get a penalty. Boom! Everybody's like, way to go, bro. Really? This year, Brian O'Neill has five. Garrett Bradbury has five. Riley Reef has five. And Pat Elfline has five. Uh, that is a lot of penalties from your starters. Once again, though, some of them are holding, and that is discretionary. I don't agree with all the holding calls that they've thrown this year. Like, I think that they get a little... Too um, aggressive towards the offensive lineman at times. Biased. Yeah, for sure. And don't, don't get me wrong. When you have, how excited do you get though when you hear holding on the defense? You're like, no way, he just did that. Oh my god! Like, there's been called like three times this year, and I've seen all three times. I get so excited when that happens <laughs> because it never gets called, and they constantly hold the offensive lineman, and it pisses me off. I love it. Uh, yeah, I know. Every offensive lineman I've ever talked to says, why don't they call defensive holding? That's happening a lot. But the Vikings are tied for the seventh most penalties in the NFL, which uh, I think qualifies it under legitimate issue that needs to be shored up. Whether it's the ref's fault or the Vikings' fault, it needs to be better. It cannot be uh, the seventh most in the NFL going forward, or that's going to end up biting them at some point. Um, right. what, what is next on your list? Right, so this one was like pretty much one of the last ones, but making all the field goals. I feel like when you look back at this year, you're like, man, whatever happened to the kickers in this league, I'm not sure, but man, is it disastrous right now. And I'm not saying that the Vikings guy is any different because he's missed a few. And you're like, dude, those are – I'm not saying that it's easy to kick a field goal. I don't know. I've never kicked a field goal. But I know that if I came in the league and that's all I was supposed to do – which just kick the ball like better than most of these kickers, I'd be doing it. And it's like, dude, what is going on? That's going to cost somebody. And it did last year. We saw it in mm-hmm. this division. And, dude, that coach is still wrecked from it. Like, that guy cannot get over yeah, that. No matter true. Whatever, whatever anyone says, they're like, he has an obsession over it. That's fine. He does have an obsession. Like, somebody needs to get with him and talk to him about it because it's eating him up alive. He won't even kick a field goal at the end of the game. He's like, dude, just, <laughs> 
I want to take a knee. If he misses this field goal, I'm going to get fired. We're all going to get fired. I can't do this today. Like, that's bad. But you got to be able to make those consistently. It's got to be one of those things where when he comes out there, it's like Guskowski, dude. No problem. This dude's going to make this. Like, that has to be a 100%. Because that's huge going into the playoffs. Like, you look at some of these, hey, man, we're on the 40. We're on the 35. What do you want to do, coach? It's three points or we're punting it. Like, it's a big decision. Now, if you turn the ball over, you're giving the ball to a really good quarterback with a shorter field than we would normally give him. Like, you, these are big decisions. It's like, do I want points or do I want the, the field? You know, what do I want at the end of the day? And a lot of times these coaches will tell you football's a game, game based on field position. Like, you're playing the whole game for field position, but when you get it, you have to seize it and take advantage of it. And I feel like these kickers now are making it really hard for these coaches to be like, <laughs> What do we, I don't know what we do. Do we take the flag and back ourselves up 10 yards and then make it a better punt? Or do we try and risk this really risky field goal at 40 yards that our kicker might not make because he's somewhat helter-skelter? I mean, that's to me, it's, it's also changing the game. It's weird. And nothing shows more confidence in your team when you take a penalty on purpose to drop back that. five yards and then punt. Uh, that's where, of course, me, I'll say, uh, maybe you should have just gone for it on fourth and five or something as opposed to taking a penalty and punting out of the back of the end zone and you only get like 15 yards. But anyway, that's, yeah. that's a different story. But your point about Dan Bailey and, and the Vikings kicking situation, it has been shored up after a lot of conversation during uh, the offseason and training camp where it wasn't a great start to camp for Dan Bailey and the Vikings panicked. They traded a draft pick for a guy who'd never kicked before. He was a disaster. And Dan Bailey has come out this year and made it not a story. He's 12 for 14. He's gone four for four in two different games. He's missed only one extra point. And his body of work now overall as a Minnesota Viking kicker looks pretty solid. I mean, this year he's at 85.7%, which is really close to his career, and that has not been a thing. And going even deeper in the weeds here, but I think it is a very important point, and no one from Minnesota would ever challenge this about, about the importance of kicking, for sure. But the Vikings' decision to get Britton Colquitt as their punter, mostly it was about him as a holder, and it seems like those two guys are just in perfect harmony. And it was funny because Dan Bailey won the whatever was special teams player of the week and Britton Colquitt tweeted you're welcome and it's now that's funny but it's that's also true, probably though. true it's right? so true look at all these kids they're missing because the holder like dude bad snap bad hold like dude it is I agree we're welcome all right now uh I've got a couple of things too I'm figured, curious as to what you have. I figured we would cross over a little, and we did. The offensive line part we crossed over on, and the running game part we crossed over on. That's I'll, fair. I'll give you the areas where our lists are different. Um, starting with primetime Kirk, and I, I know that you have talked about how it definitely is different when you go out and you play, and pressure is real, and these are real human beings. Um, but I, I've never quite fully bought into that Kirk Cousins has something in his DNA that forces him to get overworked up or be bad in primetime. And when you break it down by his grades, his numbers, all those things deep in the weeds, he's usually been pretty much Kirk Cousins in those primetime games and usually played for the team that wasn't the better team that night. And uh, shocker, right? That's why he's lost all the primetime games. Um, at, At the same time, though, there have been times where I'm there in Chicago and I'm looking at the guy and it's like, I don't think he can win this game. And he makes mistakes on reads that he would normally just make a perfect read on. Uh, last year at Soldier Field, he had that look in his eye where you're like, uh, is this going to work? And 
you know, in Seattle was the same thing. They couldn't score. Their defense is doing a great job. And he just was panicky. And I want to see in the second half. It's really going to be tested. There's either going to be three or four primetime games, depending on whether they flex the Los Angeles game. But for sure, Green Bay and Minnesota is staying on Monday Night Football. And uh, you have the Dallas game, which is not um, going to be flexed either because it's too early. So, I mean, he's going to have at least three chances. National TV, bright lights, Monday Night Football, Sunday Night Football against good teams to show hey, look, that was all bogus narrative, and I can actually step up big when the situation is um, filled with pressure. Right, and you think about a team that could definitely stop the run to be Seattle in Seattle. I mean, they're, you know, they're obviously not the Legion of Boom, the team that they've had, but, I mean, they're still Pete Carroll's defense, and I know that they're not playing well at home right now, which is really weird to me because normally that's a place that they, like, excel in. Like, they really don't even have to show up sometimes at home because their fans are so crazy, but they're not playing well at home, but... You look at this defense and you say, you're right, man. Not only did they have this number last year, or when was it, the year before on Monday night or Sunday night, but, man, you got to go back there again on a year that they're kind of in the mix of things, and they have, they're in a tough division, and they know they are. And so they're like, hey, listen, when the Vikings come out here, we got to play them tough. we got to mm-hmm. stop the run. And from there, we got to see what Kirk's made of. You're right. There's something to be said about a quarterback that feels the pressure and a quarterback that you don't know feels the pressure. You know, like, you can tell that quarterbacks are always under pressure. We're Obviously, we're all the same. We know that when you're playing in a big game, you know, you feel the people on you. It's the quarterbacks like Kirk that make you nervous because you're like, man, I can see that he's nervous and when things go wrong that's when you see a little bit of fighting on the sideline or a little bit of finger pointing or a little bit of ah ooh, what's that you know and where you'd want to see more like kind of like reserved calm cool hey we're good okay they stopped us we're in seattle they're a run defense i get it we're gonna keep going we're gonna keep pushing on eventually we're gonna crack they're gonna crack we're gonna get them we're you know that's when things are gonna start biting open but we got to stick to it and i feel like when you talk about those guys, it's the guys that aren't afraid to keep just moving. You know, hey, listen, man, we're good. Whether they believe it or not, they say it. Hey, we're good. We're going to keep going. We're going to keep fighting. You're right. We need to see that Kirk because in the playoffs, you need that Kirk every single week. Absolutely. Yeah, and, and that's why you'd have to see it to right. have that to know he confidence. Has that Right. If he goes to Dallas, if he goes to Seattle and plays really well on the road under the bright lights, you're going to go into the playoffs feeling a lot more confident in what he can bring in a pressure situation. But if he goes 0 for 2 in those games and doesn't play well and turns the ball over and shows that same level of, uh, I don't know, giddiness or whatever it might be from him or anxiousness in the pocket, then you're going to be very nervous going into the playoffs if you even make it. I mean, if you lose several of these big games, then uh, it's going to be very hard to make it with the number of great teams. And that one at home against Green Bay is going to be interesting too, but at home I feel like it's a different story. The road games are the ones, because you're going to have to go on the road probably if you're the Vikings to to go deep uh, in the playoffs at some point. So the road ones are more interesting to me. That was number one on my list. Uh, the other thing is too, is there a trap game in here? Is, 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 is on my list too. Like, are you a Super Bowl team if you get trapped by Denver before the bye week or something? Or if you're looking ahead to the Los Angeles and Green Bay game or looking ahead to Green Bay and, and you're playing at Los Angeles where it's mostly your fans in LA, right? And not the Chargers fans if there are any there. I mean, so. Um, you know, I think that's that's part of it too. Like, can they stay focused when they have to face teams that they should beat but aren't complete jokes? Vic Fangio is the head coach of Denver. He absolutely owned Kirk Cousins last year in the two games that they played against Chicago. And 
That would be one that that sort of screams Trappy McTrapper face on it. <laughs> Trappy McTrapper face? Is that what that week's called? Yeah, that's Trappy McTrapper face week. It's Trappy McTrapperson? All yeah, right, that's who it. their quarterback is. It's Trappy McTrapper face. I don't know. I've never Seriously. heard of the other guy who's starting, so it must be him. Joe Flacco. I mean, now that that I don't see that being. But it's Brandon game. Allen now. Oh, it's Brandon Allen. Oh, that's right. I yeah, forgot. I don't uh, know who that is. I don't think they know who that is. But no. you know what? They're going to go with it. And you're right. I don't see – you think it's a trap game. I don't. I think that when you look at this team, you still see Vic Fangio. He doesn't have the pieces and parts that he wants on his defense. Yep. But if you look at them, they're still really good against the pass. Like He's legit kind of holding this defense together, and he's losing guys as they're going. And not only that, but the offense is just – dude. Did you see that offensive line? Do you know what this D line is going to do to them? Garrett Bowles yeah, it's is not about great. to Garrett Bowles is about to get eaten alive, and I'm going to laugh because the dude is so big. He's just so afraid to be physical. What's drafting also drafting players who are like 25 years old or bad idea is kind of strange. Bad idea. Listen, if you're halfway to 60, bad idea. You don't want that dude as a rookie, right? Like, dude, this That's guy's right. got his AARP card. Don't do that. <laughs> That's I'm right. Kidding. Well, but uh, seriously, there's, I don't see any trap games. I think that, you know, as much as people might say, like, the Chargers could be a trap game, I think that the Chargers could only be a trap game because they still have Phillip Rivers. Like, Phillip, to me, is one of these guys that doesn't get enough respect. Like, he's one of these guys, people are like, eh. Phillip Rivers, he's an okay quarterback. Dude's really good. He's just on a really tough team. I mean, they lost their left tackle. They lost their center. Their running back refused to come to practice. And then when he does, he fumbles the ball right before he scores. Like, dude, they're just having a rough year. And, you know, you look at these games. I don't see any of these being a trap game. I know that the Zimmer is going to be like, listen, guys, we know what we want. We know where we, we need to go. And in order to do that, we all need to be paying attention. They're definitely focused. You can see that. There's some things they need to clean up. But for the most part, they're hitting stride as they should. Yeah. And and I don't foresee, as we were talking about earlier, just about how the gap is so big between good yeah. and bad teams, maybe as big as it's ever been. I don't see an upset coming here, but every once in a while with this team, it does happen where you just can't believe they lost to Buffalo. And yeah, you know, right. it, it, there were probably other factors that went into that. That was uh, issues with Everson Griffin just the day or night before, and uh, Jerry Hughes wrecked their game plan. He had a, a couple strip sacks right off the front of the game, and then it was over. But um, that does happen to this team every so often, and there are some opportunities also in this schedule to have that happen. All right, we're going to take a break. When we come back, uh, how how? Let me let me just. Uh, I'm going to say this first. I'm doing this completely tongue in cheek when I tell you about Kyle Rudolph's potential um, Halloween costume. Okay, I'm just joking. When we come back. I just want to make that clear. I'm not being mean. I'm just kidding. But I have to make the joke. We'll be right back. It's Purple Daily here on Score North. Football fans, it's Mackie here for Federated Insurance. You might not know this about me, but I've been a business owner a couple different times in my life. I can relate to the roller coaster ride, the never-ending sea of problems to solve, the exhilaration of those incremental wins. If you're a business owner, I recommend getting to know Federated, which has over a century of experience in protecting businesses and making them as successful as they can be. You want a company like Federated standing behind your business? Visit FederatedInsurance.com to find your local representative. Federated Mutual Insurance Company. It's our business to protect yours. Jonathan here with this hour's Score North download. It's been 10 years since we all went on a, a bit of a ride with Brett Favre, and we're doing a deep dive into every aspect of that 2009 Viking season. You can join Sage Rosenfels, Phil Mackey, Judd Zolgad, and Ryan Longwell over on Minnesota Sports Rewind, the 2009 Vikings edition, on demand right now, anywhere you find your favorite podcast, or just go to scorenorth.com and click on Shows. That's Minnesota Sports Rewind, and it's 
Safe to say Xavier Rhodes hasn't had the best of seasons or first half to a season this year so far through eight games. Well, when asked what he needs to do to get better or keep or get back into uh, a better playing form today, he said something interesting. Just play my game. That's all I'm going to do. I have confidence in my game and it don't change anything. You know, I know teams going to attack me and attack the way I play. And um, like I said in an uh, interview, you know, I've been in great coverage. I just got to finish. You know, and that's the only thing. If I if I was to finish, you know, it would be a different story. But the coverage is there. Just, I'm not finishing. Been in great coverage. Yeah, teams seem to be picking on him, especially Case Keenum on Thursday night. That's been your Score North Download. Now back to Purple Daily. Thank you, Jonathan. I tease the joke. Okay, it's a, it's a pure, just Halloween joke. I'm not, not super serious about it. All right, Alex. All right, got it. So um, I went out to the facility today. You know, open locker room and so forth. And uh, I went in, and one of the best costumes I, I think I've seen was Kyle Rudolph, who was dressed up as tight end one. <laughs> Boom! Got him. Got him. Roasted. Uh. You know, one of the things I want to see in the second half is Irv Smith be the starting tight end or the number one Ooh, tight end. I, I dude. Think, I think at this moment in time, this doesn't say anything about Kyle's really good career, and I like two tight end sets a lot. I, I just do. retweeted something about how the Vikings are using heavy personnel, uh, whether it's multiple tight ends or two running backs, 77% of the time, which Love is it. great and has uh, is the highest in the league. It's caused a lot of mismatches. Irv Smith has been at the center of that because he's a mismatched tight end, and he's proving to actually be that. And to me, what he does in the second half could be one of the main determining factors of how good I think this team is. If they can fully utilize him in the second half and start going down the field even a little bit more to him, I think that that can sustain the excellent offenses, uh, offensive performances that they've had, even if teams find ways to slow down Thielen and Diggs a little, that they have this extra weapon that's very unique and proven that he can play NFL football. Right, and it's like you just said, if they stop Thielen and Diggs, which someone, it's, you know, they're going to try as much as they can. Say somebody does, who do you go to? Irv Smith, why not? I mean, he's been showing up more and more every week, and I think that that's the question that I've been asking you so much is, you know, Rudy seems to be blocking a lot more in protection. You know, you have these five jets, six jets. Even like when you're talking about like the act two or threes where you have these play actions, there's always one tight end that stays in and one that goes. Now, sometimes it's the tight end that's off the ball that leaves and the guy that's on it because you're on the same plane as the offensive lineman. Sometimes it's flipped, whatever it is. For whatever it seems to be, now it's, you know, Rudy's blocking and Irv's been going out on these passes. So to me, they're saying, hey, listen. Rudy's doing a great job with the offensive line. Let's just get Irv involved more. I mean, the dude's quick. He's physical. He shows up in a big way. I, I agree with you. I think that when it comes to these play actions, you know, obviously people are going to try and stop the run first with Dalvin, then they're going to go to Diggs and Thielen. Well, then all of a sudden you go, well, we got Irv Smith over the middle, so we're good, dude. I mean, it's just there's so many more key parts that I want to see, and that's what you were asking me before is, what do you want to see? I want to see all this. I want to see what are the plays designed like? What do they look like? Where's Irv going to be motioning to? You know, that's exciting to me to see these big tight ends moving around, to see these players moving around. Where do they show up on the field? And, you know, they're coming in these droves of like smokes and screens and tight end reverses and tight end quick traps and stuff like this. Like, it's like, dude, these guys are starting to have more of a, um, 
a role in this offense mm-hmm. that's becoming huge, and people don't realize it. Like everyone's like, "Oh, the quarterback's amazing." Yeah, dude, the quarterback's great. That's that's great. They're still losers. Look at what the <laughs> f is doing. This dude just cut the defensive end, got up, ran a smoke screen, caught the ball, and took it fifty yards, and then trucked the strong safety on the way. Like they're becoming huge players in a very big game, and there's only one of them on every team, and that's what's so fun about it. Uh, I'll just give you my last thing real quick before the break, and then we got hot routes coming up next. Is just uh, I want to see how some of these other role players beyond just Irv Smith, but how their roles shake out as they go through the second half. Like, is Josh Doxson going to have a role on this team? Because he's going to come back healthy. Is Chad Beebe going to have a role on this team? Does BC Johnson continue to shine? Uh, do we see more of Alexander Madison? Does Mike Boone get involved, who's a, a very uh, interesting athlete and, and is great with the ball in his hands? Like, Does he have to get involved at some point if Dalvin Cook gets hurt? So I think there's a, a lot that we could still learn to know if this team is a legit Super Bowl contender as we go forward, and that begins this week. So let's take a break. And let's uh, go hot routes. I've got a lot of good questions for you and Judd about around the league things that we relate sometimes to ourselves, sometimes to the history of football and so forth. So we will do that when we return. You'll listen to Purple Daily here on Score North. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. It's Purple Daily. Caller has questions. Blue 58! Blue 58! Go! And he wants your answers. Three! Red, red, red! Red Polly! Blue Poncho! In rapid fire fashion. Gun flex right stack. 394 Dragon Smoke. It's Hot Routes on Purple Daily. 5 Ah, yes, it is. Hot Routes. Matthew Collar, Alex Boone, Judd Zolgad joins the show and producing, as always, Jonathan Harrison. And this is where we look around the league at things going on and add a little bit of a twist, sometimes with Vikings, sometimes with not. Um, Off the top of your head, Judd, could you give a Vikings player or personnel member or coach an ironic Halloween costume? Uh, I've been doing it a little. I gave uh, Stefan Diggs uh, cough medicine as a uh, costume. Oh, right? very yeah, good. Get no. it? Uh, yeah, yeah, I get it. I also <laughs> said that uh, Kyle Rudolph was dressed up today as tight end one. Oh, well, now you're just being mean See, to people. I know, I know. I said that's I was joking. Ironic. I said you're, I was kidding. You're just being a jerk. That's what I, I said. I was kidding. I know. He's a pro oh, bowler. He hasn't played Boone's badly. right. You're just being a jerk now. That was a little far. Okay, sure. Um Okay, so if you, if you think of any. All right, I'll now, give this a great thought. How about, uh, I'll give you a, a, a cheesy one. How about Riley Reef dressing up as Coral Reef? You know, like in the ocean? I, I got work to do. I got to go back, guys. I'm going to leave I'm the gonna show I'm going to go, too. I got a casserole to put uh, in. Okay. <laughs> all right, all right. All Noted right. We'll chef the, Alex we'll Boo. Hot routes here. Ramp up the NFL music and we'll go. All right, so uh, Andy Reid said about his probable starting quarterback Matt Moore that he has confidence in Matt Moore and I guess he should because Matt Moore has won some games in the NFL and played really well against the Packers. I want you guys to give me quarterbacks or just maybe even pick one if there you think there's a lot who you would be less confident in than Matt Moore. So pick a quarterback where if given the choice you start quarterback X or Matt Moore you say you know what I am more confident in Matt. Go ahead Judge. Right now, I can probably, unfortunately, and this is the bad thing about this league, give you a few, but I will, yeah. uh, I'll stick to two and they'll be starters. This is the problem. Mitch Trubisky. Yeah. Zero confidence in Mitch. And 
zero confidence in this kid, partially not because he's bad, but because he's just being ruined by how dumb the franchise is. Sam Darnold. Mm-hmm. Sam Darnold's completely lost. I am afraid that the Jets are in the midst of going down a very dangerous path of, in five years, we're going to be like, yeah, did, what happened there? And it's going to be the Jets and Gaze's fault, and I hope they fire that doofus. All right, uh, Alex, what do you think? Thank you. I think if there was one right now that's starting, I would say Jameis Winston. I prefer Matt Moore over Jameis Winston. Yep. I think that he is so hot or cold, it's like ridiculous. And he's more cold than he is hot. I mean, there's games where he's throwing five interceptions, and we're like, you know what? He didn't play too bad. It was uh, it was an okay day for Jameis. Like, that's that's not acceptable. And to me, it's you know they clearly know what they're doing after this season. Okay, that was going to be my first pick, so I'll let Jonathan go so I can come up with another there's one. Plenty. <laughs> I'm going to go with Baker Mayfield, the guy in the news right now. I mean, I trust the guy who's been a backup in the league for, what, 10 years now and can kind of just keep it cool and keep it calm and keep keep himself under pressure, whereas Baker can't. He's just fighting with the media at this point and just doing all this this extra stuff that he doesn't need to do. Just focus on being a good quarterback. Matt Moore is always focused on just being a good backup quarterback. I'll trust Matt Moore. I'm going to be so annoyed going forward here with the narrative with Baker Mayfield because here's who he's playing coming up. This is ridiculous. Denver, Buffalo, Pittsburgh, Miami, Pittsburgh, Cincinnati, Arizona. That's who he's playing this coming up. This league is he could so win. bad. He could easily win a bunch of those what? games, get them to 8-8 eight and eight or something, and then they'll oh. say, oh, the second half of the season, here's his statistics that prove he's great, when he's not really. It's just that he play those teams. Uh, I am going to go with Josh Allen of the Buffalo Bills. I think that he wow. is not a good quarterback, that uh, that team is not actually very good. They've done some good things to improve from last year, but mostly have had the easiest schedule of all time. I don't, though, trust... Josh Allen to go into this easy schedule and just play well enough to win games. I think he's a guy that can throw away games because he is so inaccurate and struggles to process that there are times where he's going to do things where you just don't understand them and he doesn't have enough talent, arm just arm passing accuracy, talent and processing to get himself out of the trouble that he creates. So I'm going to go I would trust Matt Moore more than Josh Allen. Think about that. That's fair though. I think that you made a fair assessment there in what you said. I think that his ina- inaccuracy is number one. It's like, dude, you're right. He could easily throw three picks in a game, and a game that you should win, you end up losing. And you're like, dude, what? Those were smoke screens. You weren't even supposed to throw those down the field. Like, what happened? Ah, coach, I just things got happened. And that almost has happened to him in a couple of games. Yes, I agree. But their defense is so stout, and they, they know who they are. And to me, that's a dangerous team because they're gritty. And they're like, hey, listen, we know we're not going to put up 21 points ever, but we're going to beat you <laughs> 10-7 to 7 every week, and uh, we're going to make you hurt after the game. That's how we play. It's think hard of, to keep, think hard of the to amount keep doing, of starting quarterbacks that we just named asking, who do you trust less than Matt Moore? What if but, Lamar Jackson is the only good quarterback out of that uh, draft, by uh, the way? Because we just named a bunch of guys so in that true. draft. That might be. I mean, you think about what Jonathan said, though. You're looking at quarterbacks now at, like, who can be the most calm on the field? You know, I mean, who can make it look like they're actually having the most fun? Because guys are getting so rattled so fast. And they, like, they flip over to this other person. You're like, dude, what is going on? I've never seen this guy before. Because they're hearing it from everybody, and there's so much pressure nowadays that, like, we're like, hey, listen, if you can just keep calm in the backfield, you'll be a decent quarterback. All right, next hot route for you fellas. Deshaun Watson, AFC Offensive Player of the Month. Is Chicago's decision to draft Mitch Trubisky instead of Watson, and throw Mahomes in there as well, the worst decision of all time? 
Because, here's my case for it, Deshaun Watson won the national championship with Clemson. He beat Alabama. He had all the talent to be a great NFL quarterback. The character threw the roof of this guy. These these are NFL teams who bring players in who are like, dog or cat, which one are you? Well, whatever (laughs) stupid test they could give Deshaun Watson, I guarantee you he passed because he is one of the top character quarterbacks in the league. And... Somehow they found enough flaws with him. I don't know. He didn't oh. throw enough uh, velocity at the combine or something. Right. So anyway, I want you guys to give me not just a bad decision for the draft, but one that was so goofy and ridiculous that it deserves to be in the same category of Mitch Trubisky over Deshaun Watson. You want to go first, I'm, Alex? I'm going to step in here because I want to say something about that. Remember that they traded up one draft pick to get him over San Fran? Yeah. Do you remember? And everybody was like, dude, you jumped up one spot. Who are you going for? Mitch Trubisky, everyone's like, who? What? Yeah, like, right. <laughs> I remember he was a good quarterback, but dude, you just leapfrogged the team one spot and gave something up to draft this guy. Like, to me, that was the most boneheaded thing because I want to say yes and no. Yes, you, you can look at this and go, dude, Deshaun Watson would have been great for your offense. But I think when you look at these teams, they have a certain person in their mind that they want. This is the guy we want. And it's either nowadays it's we want a pocket quarterback or it's we want a running quarterback. Now, with Mitch Trubisky, I don't know what you got because it's really not either, though. So it's like they didn't want a guy that was going to be running around a lot. It seemed like they wanted the running backs to do that, and they wanted a lot of fly motions and jet sweeps and all this cool stuff. So they just wanted Mitch to kind of hold the ball out in front of them. And they didn't realize that eventually you have to pass the ball. So, yeah, that to me was pretty stupid because Deshaun Watson can throw the ball with one eye while the other one's bleeding itself out. Like, it's incredible (laughs) what this dude did. Think about how many other quarterbacks probably would have fell down. I mean, we saw the the Super Bowl. We saw the Super Bowl, a quarterback fumble the ball and stare at it like, dude, I don't want to. I'm sorry, guys. You jump on it. You jump and then I'll jump. How about that? We'll do that game. Silly. So that you're was going the most with this one. way to describe it. <laughs> so you're saying this is Dude, the worst. Not only did you, you trade with... up for that. Yeah. yeah. Dude, yeah. that was bad. Okay. <sighs> Mr. Zolgan. All right. I'm going to, to go back to, and it, I'll keep it uh, Vikings related here. I'm going to go back to 1995. And this is not the biggest miss of all time, but it's a bad miss. And this was back in the day when the weed guy scared us a lot. Okay. Uh, yeah. In the Always year, draft the weed guy. In the morning of the, I believe, the NFL draft in the year 1995, the New York Times had a report, I believe it was the Times, that Warren Sapp had failed a drug test of some sort. And thus started the fall of a Hall of Fame defensive tackle who, if I recall correctly, the drug was marijuana. Oh my gosh, not that. <laughs> You're not smoking dope. The Minnesota Vikings, with the 11th pick in the 1995 draft, step to the podium. Warren Sapp is there for the taking, and they say, we will take defensive end Derek Alexander, who was, I think, safe to say, pretty much a complete bust. And with the next pick, Tampa Bay goes to the podium and says, oh, okay, if you're going to give us Warren Sapp, we'll take him. Can you imagine Warren Sapp among the among the long, illustrious list of defensive tackles who wore purple? Can you imagine that Warren Sapp should have been one? And I think the reason why they freaked out and didn't take him was, oh, he might have failed a marijuana test. Oh, man, those marijuana cigarettes. You never know what they can do. (laughs) Reefer madness. They'll kill you, Alex. (laughs) Jonathan? Uh, Mine would also be sort of Vikings-related. Go back to 1998. Dallas Cowboys owner Jerry Jones promised Randy Moss he would pick him in the draft Mm -hmm. and then passed up on him for Greg Ellis. Decent career, but... You passed up on one of the greatest receivers of all time after promising him that you'd that you'd pick him, and then he goes on to burn you every time he played you throughout his NFL career. 
I'm going to go with the 2014 NFL draft and look back at the quarterbacks who were taken above our friend Teddy Bridgewater, <laughs> and let's just talk about them a little bit. Uh, Blake Bortles, not any good, but very tall. I'm sure his hands are incredibly large, and he can <laughs> throw it super far, I'm guessing. Uh, but he really didn't like do anything, and he played for Central Florida, but man, were they impressed with the height because you got to have height as a quarterback, I guess. Russell Wilson may argue differently. And then there's the story of Johnny Manziel, who texted the owner of the Browns and said, Make me your quarterback, my man. And he said, Okay. I guess. Uh, <laughs> sounds good to like, me. Okay, I'll, I, put, I'll put my trucks uh, down for a second. Hey, Johnny, did you ever study your playbook in college? No. Hey, Johnny, you got a little bit of a Coke problem? Yes. That's okay. Now that's in, a bad drug. Instead of <laughs> instead of taking a quarterback in Teddy Bridgewater who took Louisville's program from absolutely nothing to winning bowl games and competing and, and being a winning organization, they did not draft Teddy Bridgewater because the man did not wear his gloves when throwing in his pro day and didn't do the best pro day that anyone has ever pro dayed. So they said, we're going to take this complete joker, Johnny Manziel, instead, and it blew up in their face. And, I mean, the Jaguars are just as stupid for taking uh, Blake Bortles, who showed up out of nowhere and for some reason was drafted third overall. Imagine assuming his knee stays healthy, that the Jaguars take Teddy third overall, and then they have built the defense that they've built, they would have been a legit Super Bowl contender. This right. is actually somewhat fair. Yeah, yes, thank you. I agree. Appreciate hey, that. it's okay, because Greg Robinson went second in that draft, okay? <laughs> yeah. I'm not really sure what they saw in that. This, this is why you, <laughs> a rough draft. the draft can be very random. So Khalil Mack is fifth. He's like one of the oh. best players ever. Oh. Uh, and then Mike Evans is seventh in that draft. Yeah. You know, Odell Beckham is 12th, Aaron Donald is 13th, and nine. yet That's a- someone took Greg Robinson ahead of those guys. So That's incredible to Strange me. world. Oh, yeah, how could you do that? All right, next one. Uh, Trent Williams did not pass his physical because he had discomfort with his helmet, and this Trent Williams story is getting even more wild today. He told the media that the Washington Football Club misdiagnosed cancer of his that he uh, had for several years without knowing, thinking it was some sort of cyst, and then he had to eventually force them to test it, and it was cancer, and he had to have surgery, and what a mess. Right. I mean, my gosh, what are you doing? Like, this is one of I mean, it doesn't matter who it is when it's something like that. But this is one of your best players. And look what you did to him. I don't blame him for not coming back until exactly. Did you see what they're doing now? They're going to get a customized helmet for him. (laughs) Like they said that he didn't he failed because of obviously his helmet, you know, didn't fit or whatever. But now they're going to get him a customized one. Like they the team is not stopping. Uh, No. And he shouldn't go out on the field at all. Not at all. Um, so, of course, Washington botched this one. But with that said, another helmet-related issue. I just want you guys to tell me the player who looked coolest in their helmet ever. Like, coolest helmet. Lots of different helmet designs. Who had the coolest ever? I, uh, all right. So I had a tough one with this because I feel like there's so many choices you could have went. Like, you could have went, like, old school, like Anthony Munoz with the real old school fat bars. Like, they were really yes. big bars. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Yes. Or you could have went like more new school, like Tony Baselli, and went the one bar down the middle that was real thin, like the Mike Singletary style. There's a lot of guys that like, or the Andy Katzmore, the picture from Ohio State that made the uh, ESPN cover that was like really awesome, dude. There's, there's a lot, but I think that I went with Takeo Spikes. He went Mike Singletary for a full year with the old lineman bar down the middle, and dude, he looked 
I don't know if you guys have ever seen Takeda. Oh yeah, oh I've seen it. Yeah, but he is cut out of marble, and like when he put on this real tiny helmet, it like made his head look even bigger. And I, it was like, oh my, his traps and his neck, and you were like, dude, you are. Don't hit me. There Stop. is no neck. It's only no, traps. It's no all neck. traps. I I saw him. He was on TV as an analyst somewhere, and it looked like he almost had a neck. I was He's like, awesome. oh, man, what happened to him? He hasn't been so working out as much, I You got a neck. Uh, how about you, Judge? Coolest helmet. I'm going to go back to my childhood, and I'm going to go with a guy who has not been considered cool in years and years and years. That's but, fine. But when I was a kid, Joe Theismann's single bar quarterback oh, yeah, helmet. Sure. Yeah. He had the single bar, and I That's think. Boss. And he, he had that until he retired, I believe. And nobody else went right. close you, you to that. You weren't allowed to, right? I think, yeah. Like by the time I think he, he was, was grandfathered in, but the point was the single bar look was awesome. So true. I'm going to go with LaDainian Tomlinson. Early Chargers years, you had the darker blue helmet mixed with that uh, basically black visor that he had. It yep. just looked awesome. It was a great, clean look mm-hmm. that just looked menacing for a guy, for a running back coming out of the backfield. It was do awesome. You, do you guys know Terrell Suggs, what his helmet looked like? You ever yes. seen this one before? That was going to be a number one. Yeah. <laughs> that, that, that is my nomination. It's the Darth almost, Vader one? Yeah, That's scary, man. Darth Vader is a, gr- is a much? great way to describe it. That, we used to call it the Darth Vader mask. The very, very dark visor, and it almost yeah. looks like a spider web and over his face. And masks aren't allowed now, or they are if you get a special dispensation to have one. Is that yeah. right? Yeah, I think uh, so. Uh, I don't think right? you can use those because no. they're too heavy or something. Okay. There, there's, um, some, there's a rule about them. But they, I mean, I guess from what I hear, they're awfully heavy, too. The guy's are like, dude, you don't want to wear them. There's also the incredibly thick face mask that guys used to wear, like the Jackie Slater style, like the really old. Yeah, Yeah. it's like why was how could you see anything with that being as thick as it was? But I loved Terry Bradshaw's. Like it wasn't a single bar, but it was almost a single. Yeah, bar. Yeah, it was a double single. And of. I don't think I've ever seen anyone else. I mean, it's probably not legal now, but I don't think I've ever even seen in history anyone who had that same exact. Have Kirk try one. Yeah, uh, Go talk yeah. to Kirk. Mildly dangerous for Kirk Cousins yeah. to wear, I would say. <laughs> be cool. All right, fourth uh, hot route here. The Patriots are having kicking problems, unusual for them in their history. Goskowski has been great, Vinatieri before him, but Goskowski hurt, so they had to cut Mike Nugent and sign Nick Folk, which really inspires confidence. I want you guys to give me the kicker in the history of the game that you would most trust for a 45-yard kick to win the Super Bowl. Mm. I'm going to kick it old school here, no pun intended, or I guess there was one. Jan Stenerud. No Jan kicker could be the Jan, guy that you trust. Yeah, Jan Stenerud. He probably made like 65%. 60, 67 to 79 with the Chiefs. They played for the Packers. Then he played here. Six-time All-League, four Pro Bowls. Jan Stenerud. You're not asking me for, for him to hit a 55-yarder. You're asking for a 45-yarder. Jan Stenerud can make it. I'm going old school. Man, there's you no know way what? you can All you young pups, bleep ya. I'm going old school. Jan Stenerud. I'm going to look up his numbers between 40 and 45. All do right, uh, Alex, who do, you, who do you got? <laughs> Thanks, Alex. I got I got my one-time favorite and only, Phil Dawson. I would trust Phil to kick a 65-yarder in the Super Bowl. I mean, I love the guy. <laughs> Judd, Jan Stenerud went 77 for 150 in his career over 40. <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> See? Dude, I'm throwing it back. Uh, Stenerud from plus 50 was 17 for 64. The 45-yarder, <laughs> you're only asking for a 45. Me, Hank Stram, Lenny Dawson, we all got faith in Jan. Oh, that's fantastic. 
Vinatieri is the easy answer here, so I'm not going to go with that. Ooh. I'm going to go with Judd's other answer that it should have been Sebastian Janikowski. You got Ooh. you want to put out a guy who doesn't he give bass. a bleep? He'd be drunk. This guy. When he I was going to say if he's I sober. I want this guy. <laughs> he wants roofied himself. Yes, but he's not going to care about the pressure. The pressure. I've never heard of a human him. being roofying himself before. Oh yeah, oh yeah, you could do it <laughs> for sure. Hey, hold on. It sounds like he's talking hold about on, I think, experience. I think there's a story here. Not By the way, Phil Dawson, seventy-four percent from uh, forty to forty-nine yards. Totally, my guy. Just oh, want you to know. Okay, that. you guys are you guys are clueless on Thought this you one. Know that. There's an obvious answer here, and that is Matt Prater. Okay. Him or Justin oh, Tucker? One on Sunday, huh? but, but Matt Prater is fifty-one for sixty-seven plus fifty in his career. That's plus fifty, not plus sixty. He's seventy-one for one hundred and one in forty to forty-nine for his career. He is the most freakishly accurate and powerful kicker that I believe I have ever seen. Kind of tied with Justin Tucker, though. Justin Tucker's really good. Maybe if yeah, Tucker's got. Tucker actually. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. I'm changing my answer. It's no, Justin Tucker. No, you can't. No, 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 it's Justin Tucker. It's Justin Tucker. No, no, no. no. He is, listen to this. Listen to how crazy this is. 73 for 81 career. Justin Tucker. While like, singing opera. That's 90%. I'm going Justin Tucker. <laughs> Would be the guy I would trust. I'm playing the numbers, and it's going to work. No, you can't call right. us morons and then change your answer. Yes, I can. You picked the guy from the 70s. I love him. Jan Stenerud, man. You can love whoever you want. He's, he's going to save your life with a field goal. Classic old school Chiefs. Right. Final uh, submission here for Hot Routes comes from Alex Boone. He wants, just from you and I, Judd, yep. what's the stupidest question you ever asked a player or coach? I've been giving this one some thought. And instead of it just being a talk about question, which I'm sure I've done, 2000, I believe it was 2007 or 8, the Vikings under Brad Childress moved into first place for the first time since he had taken the job in 2006. And so Brad's talking about the next game, and I think they just beat Detroit or something. And I'm, I'm like, so you moved into first place. What'd you do? I mean, you celebrate a little bit? You're in first place. And he looks at me with that annoyed football coach look, and that, that's when he dropped the great line, had a vodka the size of your head. Because he's just like I don't I'm not going to answer you know he's like I just because yeah. I'm I'm excited for him I'm, I'm thinking oh this could be a good story you know yeah did you go out and celebrate last and I couldn't be the lead to my story and he's just like I'm going to have the vodka the size of your head and that was it that was sort of it that's how he said it yes uh, oh yeah the the response was thrilled. the response was very just shut up I'm mm. it was funny but he was not uh, there have probably been a number of them where I would rephrase. Uh, maybe the idea from the question wasn't great, but the uh, or was good, but the phrasing wasn't. the The one incident I had when I was first starting to be a reporter, and I mean like three weeks in, uh, I asked the hockey player why he didn't get in a fight or why he wasn't physical at all, and it was a very straightforward and blunt question. And since I have learned in my travels that sometimes you have to phrase things a little differently to get what you want, and uh, the hockey player was none too thrilled, Uh-oh. and it ultimately <laughs> resulted in he used the word that he really shouldn't have used. The coach called me to apologize, and it just became a big thing. And then he got traded shortly after. Uh, this is this was actually Zach Cassian, by the way. So you basically was, uh, yeah. sabotaged his career. Uh, wow, no, dude. actually, drugs sabotaged his career, yeah. and he's sort of gotten that cleaned that up. Question and, and and good. Yeah, that's right. He couldn't take how stupid it was. So, <laughs> uh, but uh, he's gotten things cleaned up, and good for him. He's not a bad guy, but like. 
That was probably one where I would have phrased a little bit differently. He yep. just was supposed to be this mauler. He was supposed to be so tough. So and he wasn't else. doing his job. And he wasn't doing his job. And the way I phrased it was like, I think I said something like, can you explain why you just haven't like gotten any fights or hit anyone? It was, it was way too It was probably like, fair, but rude, it was too direct. I think. Yeah, I think so it was have, too direct. Have you been scared? Have, have you asked a question and been scared before? Because I have been at least once. When were you? I don't know if I've ever been Giants scared. Vikings game at the old Giants Stadium. The it was two thousand five. The Vikings had a linebacker, Keith Newman was his name, and you know, he was a linebacker yeah, guy, I mean, so yeah. he could look at you like he was gonna kill you. And post game I asked him about something a, oh, a touchdown that the defense had had given up and I wasn't trying to indict him. I was just like, What happened? I was trying to get an, an explanation. Well, as Booing could probably tell you, you know, post game, that's a bad time to ask that. Mm-hmm. Like on Wednesday, it'd be fine. Yeah. Uh, but he started to get defensive, like I was blaming him. And then he started, to, and I could sort of see it in his eyes. And I was like, I, it's not that big a deal. Goodbye. <laughs> it's not that big of a question. It's not, it's not that important. Post game po- locker room is tough. Post game, though, I've learned, <laughs> a, I've learned to back off a lot. And well, there, I didn't know better at the there time. Was, there was one game where this particularly large guard who can be unpredictable was very upset after and was snorting while he was cutting off of his, uh, his uh, tape and so forth and swearing to himself. And I was a little concerned that I was standing too close. I won't name any names. <clears throat> I won't name Definitely any names yep. of who that was. But I would say that was a time where I was like, you know what? I'm going to go talk would to Would that be else. the same guard who told the crowd to shut the bleep up? Probably. While the team was on Possibly offense? Possibly the one that said that Green Bay would Could win over his dead me? body. Well, well, I'm sorry, you? Oh, that's oh, right. it was you. Oh, I guess it was. You just jogged my memory. <laughs> First of all, I never snorted, okay? I, never, I never snorted. like a pig. I wasn't like a pig, like, <laughs> sitting over there, like, all like, pissed like, off. No, there was like, times, there was a few games where I was probably like, dude, this is, burp, like, just throwing stuff. Yeah, yeah you, you were upset. very unhappy. And the problem is, I saw you guys coming from a mile away, and I was like, oh, man, here it comes. Like, just get in the shower and go home. Just get in the shower and go home. And then I was like, no. So I want to kind of jab back a little bit. You got to jab back. You do. I, I, it, I t- it turned out to be a fine so interview. What, what but I, question is the question that upset you most during the course of your career that a reporter asked probably in the postgame? Oh, man. there were. I mean, you know what always bothered me was the stupid questions. Like, hey, how did you feel when you threw that interception? What a dumb question. How did I feel? I felt really nervous because I was about to get blindside blocked by the D lineman that I didn't see coming from the other way. But you know what? Other than that, it felt pretty good. I was running. I got some exercise. That was great. <laughs> I uh, can't complain. We got the guy down pretty quickly. Uh, he didn't score. That's a plus. I mean, like, there's so many questions that you guys ask that you're like, you know the answer. Don't ask me the question. Like, yeah, sometimes you, we just need something on it. Like, nope. You don't even yep, have to ask. Yep. You could assume, hey, how does he feel? He's probably pretty pissed, guys. Generally, how they don't teach it in journalism school. Like, just, just assume he's mad. I know. Like, don't ask Boone, that Boone, who looks pretty mad. <laughs> Boone, comma, who was P.O.'d. Uh, Super P.O.'d. Uh, well, you could, don't go for the low-hanging fruit. Okay, go for so the really tough stuff. What's what, when now, maybe you would like it. I've had other players tell me that when reporters try to act like they know too much about what's going on out there, that that's annoying as well. Now, I mean, I think as long as you stay in your lane a little bit. Like, hey, listen, I noticed on third down you guys like to do this stuff out of a bunch formation. Why is that? Like, you just be like, oh, all right, well, this dude actually knows what he's talking yeah, about. sure. He doesn't sound like everybody else asking me how I feel that we won the game. Like, what a stupid question. I'm happy. I want to go home and see my family. Like, what do you think? <laughs> oh, you know, I could stay here for another 12 hours and play another game. That's no big deal. You need me to stay? I could do it. Like, you guys all know the answer. Don't ask me those ones. Ask me the ones that are really tough. Hey, listen, they started to pick up their blitzes as the game went on. Why? 
is that? Well, because we shut down their four-man rush, so now they have to start adding on. That was a great question. If you have another one, I would love to answer it because that was somewhat articulate and smart. Like That's what draws <laughs> players to the guys. You know what I'm saying? Like You know every player has their guys that like come to them after the game, sit down with them, kind of like help that player vent a little bit, blow off some steam. You guys know. You see it. Like The guy's sitting there like, yeah, dude, I'm pissed. It's okay. Don't write this down, though. I'm upset about this. This is mm-hmm. this. And they're like, okay, cool. That guy has that. Anybody else who comes around that player, he shuts down instantly. Because it's like, dude, I don't know you like that. And I can't, you know, I can't yeah. be cool like that. And there's so many randos after oh, a game. It's like there's, now. there's like yeah. six of us all the time in the locker room or whatever, six to ten. And then after the game, it's like, who, who are all these people? Right. Uh, even, I mean, even us, we're like, I don't recognize these people. I cover the game all the time. Uh, anyway, <laughs> uh, we're late for the break by like ten minutes. That's fine. Well, take a break now we'll come back i want to get judd's opinion and we can react to it on just what this game is going to tell us about the minnesota vikings we'll do that when we return purple daily on score north i just think every game's a measuring stick you know we're getting evaluated every single week doesn't really matter who you play where you play you know you're getting measured and you only get 16 of them promised to you so uh, this is the next one but it certainly is a great great challenge that was Kirk Cousins there, Matthew Collar, Judd Zolgad, and Alex Boone. All right, I'm going to ask you the question, Judd, and then Alex can react. How important is this game, Vikings-Chiefs? Give us some sort of rating, like out of 10 potential pumpkins, how many pumpkins is this game worth? Um, I would say, well, if Mahomes was playing at full strength... I would say the pumpkin ratio, the pumpkins would be probably like eight or something because it'd be yeah. a great test. Yeah, I don't think he's going to play though, so I'm I'm going to take it down to six because here's here's where I, I think it's important. Still, it's on the road, really tough environment. That stadium is rocking. It's a lot of fun, and you're still going against an offensive mind in Andy Reid, who's very very good. The defense is, is not great, but this is the type of game that, you know, Kirk can struggle in. And so I'm going to put, because it's it sort of sets off a chain now of what? You go from this to Dallas on the road at night on a Sunday night. That's a really yep. tough game. Uh, Denver, not super tough, but then after the bye, you come back and play a tough game on a Monday night in Seattle. I'm going to say at least six pumpkins. Because it is a big game. It's against a, a, a not a great team, but a tough team, a really good uh, offense. And here's the flip side, too. Forget Kirk for a second. Xavier Rhodes. Yeah. Like, is he still going to play as much? Is he not going to play as much? Uh, I'm sure that Reed, after watching the Washington film, right, Alex, has been salivating. So it's an important game. I mean... I agree with you. I think it's at least six. I think it might be a little bit more because I think that Andy Reid makes up for this offense, right? Like, you're looking at it, and we joke about Matt Moore, but Matt Moore is actually not a bad quarterback. Like, when all you have to do is catch the ball and throw it right away, it's not that hard of a job. Like, you just got to keep your composure and know who your primary is. Like, they have a really good receiving core, and to me, that's like, hey, this is a good test for the defense because, yeah, Patrick Mahomes, you're right. He's probably not going to play. It's not worth risking the franchise over a game, and yeah, you're like, hey, listen, that could be the season, but this franchise is like, hey, listen, quarterbacks aren't growing on trees anymore. They're not going to be easily defined, and so now we have one of the most premier guys. We need to protect him at all costs, and if that means he's got to wait a couple extra weeks to get healthy, then it is what it is because we don't want to have to keep moving on quarterbacks because we see these teams that are just a what is it, swinging gate of quarterbacks, and it's like, dude, they'll never find the right one. We have a good one, so... I agree that it's at least a six. I think it's a good test for the defense, but it's also a good test for this offense because this defense has been playing better as the weeks go on, which is weird to me because you're looking at a defense from last year that was like 
helter-skelter at best. And Steve Spagnola comes in and just is like, okay, well, I got the winning formula. Like To me, that's kind of crazy. So I'm interested to see how this offense attacks this defense. And Mike Zimmer pointed out that Kansas City has been blitzing way more. And I think this is an opportunity for the Vikings to have a big game offensively. I wrote about it that Kirk Cousins is at the top of the league against the blitz. He often has been. And I think he's a guy, if he could diagnose early, like before the snap, that he knows exactly where all of his hot routes are going to be. He's got a good sense for where the defense is. And he gave a, a really good answer when I asked him about why he's been so good against the Blitz throughout his career, because he knows that there's going to be spaces in the defense where he can get rid of the ball and find someone open. But, I, I mean, with this Kansas City team, they have enough talent on the defensive side. And someone like Tyron Matthew, who has not been a huge game-changer for them so far, but we know he can be. And this might be one of those games where they can throw off Kirk with a little bit of extra stuff in there mixed in. You know, every once in a while we see this, but I don't know, guys. I think that the top way that any team can stop Kirk Cousins is by having a four-man rush that succeeds. So this is where I want to see, how does Spagnolo attack Cousins? Is he going to continue to go with the Blitz, or is he going to let them prepare for the Blitz all week long? Oh, they're ready. Okay, Kansas City's blitzing every other play now and then not do it at all and try to let his front four get back there because they do have some players in their front four who are pretty good. And Chris Jones was out of practice. If he plays, he's a pretty good player. And and that's where I think that they can make a difference against the Vikings on defense. But overall, you should just take care of business with them, right? Like, they're not a great defense, even if they're halfway decent. And this is where we should see the Vikings go to KC, and if they win a shootout, then they have to win it that way. But... Because they have versatility as a team, they should be able to do it no matter what happens. Like, if Kirk doesn't show up, they should be able to slow down Matt Moore. If Matt Moore does put up some points, they should be able to match. Like, this is what the good teams can do, and this is what we want to see them do is win a number of different ways. No, I agree with you. I think that when you look at this team, you're saying, hey, listen, this is in Kansas City, which is easily – I mean, you're talking New Orleans, Seattle, Kansas City, in places to play, it's just – Terrible, and they're going to be hyped up. They're coming off a tough game against Green Bay. I mean, this this has the makings to be a really, really fun game because the game plan is going to be a lot like Chicago. It's going to be, hey, listen, we're going to try and get the ball of our hands quickly, get it to our playmakers as fast as we can, not let this quarterback make any heated plays. But not only that, hey, listen, we got we don't have our left tackle out right now. I mean, we we can't let. Cam Irving out here blocking all these guys. I mean, you're going to have Everson Griffith out there. You're going to have Daniel Hunter. They're going to be twisting. They're going to be doing everything they can. I mean, this offensive line is going to be under a lot of scrutiny. They don't want Matt Moore in a bad situation. Cook is key, right, too? Because if, oh, if I'm yeah. not they're mistaken, they can't defense. stop the run. Yeah, they are. Third worst in the okay. NFL. Yeah, so they're, that's they're, my key. Right. You're just going to hand it off to Dalvin and watch him run down people's faces. But I think that when you go on the road, though, and you go into an environment like this, you got you to gotta keep punching them right away. You know, you got to, for the whole first quarter, you just beat on them. And all of a sudden, you take the stadium out of it. And then it becomes yes. a very equal game. You know what I'm saying? Because the fans yes. are going to be hyped up for a long time, right? They just watched this team play really tough against Green Bay. Like, they're going to be really hyped up, like, hey, listen, this is another formidable opponent from the NFC North. We might have a chance to take this game. Eh, probably not. But at the end of the day, we're going to be really fired up. We're going to be excited. All of a sudden, you just watch your defense getting beat to hell, and all of a sudden, you're like, you know what? Pack it up. Let's go home. Is it fair to say, then, because I was talking to someone from Kansas City this morning who said they actually expect Kansas City to win this game because they're... Well, you don't say. Well, I I know, but usually, (laughs) I mean, it kind of goes either way. There are some um, 
talk show hosts who are more kind of fans and they'll lean I don't that know way. Yeah, I, know. I don't know what you're no, And they'll lean no, that way no. and they'll pick their team all the time. I don't think that this guy is like that. I, his point was just, look, it's, it's Arrowhead Stadium. It's not easy yeah, to come in here. It's tough. And, and, and a great. lot of times we see this team, Kansas City, in recent years overachieve at Arrowhead Stadium because it's very tough to play there, like U.S. Bank Stadium is. So that's why he was leaning that direction. But... I look at what the Vikings have done in the recent weeks and the team that they have in terms of health, like where almost everybody is out on the field. And I say, if they lose this game, it should be considered a failure. It should be a pretty big disappointment. If you're not playing Patrick Mahomes, then yeah, that's one that you should write down as a W. You are the stronger overall team and go on the road. Beat a decent team at a very, very tough stadium, but you can absolutely do this. Like You are the better team as long as Pat Mahomes isn't playing. What's the best guess on Kirk in this game, too? Because, you know what? He's won four games. He's been great. And I, I would say Giants win, yeah, okay. Eagles win impressed me, despite the fact their game plan was terrible and their secondary was not good. Detroit win, good. Washington, just not a good team. So do we think that this continues now, or is this a huge test as well? Because this is probably, as far as environment goes, as far as opponent goes, defense is not great. But but you're on the road. Where does this rank as far as a test for Kirk? What do you think, Alex? Oh, this is huge. I mean, this is this is the playoff test right here. This is you are you're in the playoffs. You're on the road. This is it right here, right now. It's not going to get any wilder. I'm telling you, the three toughest places to play are New Orleans, Seattle, and Kansas City because their fans are so crazy. They all they live, breathe, and love football, and they're just there for the team. But the problem is when the team sees their team got beat the week before, they're like, "All right, we're kind of on our last leg." Matt Moore, yeah, he could possibly do it. But then you watch the first couple quarters, you watch Dalvin, and you're like, "You know what, guys? Listen." There's always next year. Pat will be healthy next year. We can do it next year. Because like, they, they don't see teams like this walking into their stadium mm-hmm. every week where, where they're like, hey, listen, we're just going to hand it to our running back 50 times. We're going to watch him just destroy you. And this is going to be fun for us because we're going to have a little fun. We're going to throw some smokes on some of this. We're going to do a little flare action over here. And it's going to be a little razzle-dazzle. But at the end of the day, it's going to be all the same stuff because you just simply can't stop our run game. And the way that um, Aaron Jones lit them up uh, on their defense, that also points to me to – the expectation should be that the Vikings win because they yep. just have an unstoppable weapon for uh, Kansas City's defense. But to your question, Judd, about Cousins, I'm going to say that in terms of if I'm giving him how many pumpkins is it worth out of 10 for wh- how big of a test this is, yeah. to me it's only like four or five pumpkins. I mean, really? I, I know that it is on the road. Here I'd say that's exactly right. Yeah, I know that it's on yeah. the road, and that matters to Ooh. me that it's Arrowhead Stadium. It's a big deal to go on the road and win. But... I would be putting my pumpkins much more in three other games than I would this one by quite a bit. If he doesn't play well in this one, we won't say, ah, well, you know, that that was tough. That was at Seattle or something. I would be saying, come on, man, that's not a good defense. That's a defense right. that you should be able to win. Yeah. And uh, with this one, I. If he walks out of there with an average game and they win because Delvin is great, I'm not going to say, oh, Kirk didn't show up and whatever else, and he proved he couldn't play at Arrowhead. I think it's just really not, um, because it's an AFC team, because it's not a great defense, I'm not looking at it as the same level of pressure on him as at Dallas and at Seattle. The at Dallas game is the one, and then at Gre- or then home against Green Bay later in the season. Those are the ones that I have circled much more because I think that those defenses are legit. I don't think Kansas City's defense is legit. Seattle's problems too. I think that they're going to be. It matters. To, the circumstances matter to me a lot with Kirk. Is it? 
Is it going to be a lot of second and three? Probably. Hand off to Delvin to get seven yards, and then you're set up to do whatever you want. If you're going to Dallas and they've got those linebackers, then I guess you, my point it's not going to be the same thing, I think. Is this if you shrink now, then I look at those past four games before this and I'm like, whoa, did I see something or not? Okay. So my point That's is fair. environment is tough. Team is not great, but overall, they certainly could uh, try and engage you in a potential shootout. If you shrink here, I'm going back to thinking, okay, is this the is, is this the Kirk that seemed to turn a corner in 2019, or are we regressing back to the Kirk that we talked about and doubted a lot for what the first four weeks of the season? Mm-hmm. I, I agree because I think that if you go here and you lose, I mean, whether you win or lose, I think you're right. When you're talking about Dallas and Seattle, if you lose those games, it's like, hey man, those are really tough defenses. So it's really hard to judge how good a team is because. Number one, you're playing at their place. Number two, those defenses are really tough. I think if you don't win this game, there's some concern. Yeah, because like you said, they're not good at stopping the run. Therefore, we should run all over them, and therefore you should throw play action the rest of the game. Like It should be in your wheelhouse. This game should be right in your wheelhouse. I think if there's any test, it's more on defense with this receiving core. All right, when we come back, Alex has to explain at least one or two things that you've mentioned so far in uh, today's show and on Tuesday to Jonathan. He's been keeping notes. And uh, Judd had a hot take, and now you know, the Vikings will have an opportunity to do this. So uh, I want to bring it up and, and run it by myself, I guess, and you, Alex Boone. <laughs> that was a really weird how, tease, and I don't else, even know what you're talking how about. How else am I supposed to tease that? Like, I, wanna, I had a hot take. I want to respond to your hot like take, Like an old hot take or a new hot no, take? No, just like the other day. Oh, Can okay. I respond? Yeah, of course. You're on the show. <laughs> you guys show. Yeah, you're oh. here. I'm just, uh, I don't know what I am. Just kind of dropping I in. just kind of dropped You're really here for hot like, routes. All right, we'll I love hot rods, by the way. <laughs> right Don't back. ever put hot rods down. Be right back on Purple Daily. Jonathan here with the Score North download for this hour. It's been 10 years since we all went on a ride with Brett Favre, and we're doing a deep dive into every aspect of that 2009 Vikings season. You can join Sage Rosenfels, Phil Mackey, Judd Zolget, and Ryan Longwell on Minnesota Sports Rewind, the 2009 Vikings edition, on demand anywhere you find your favorite podcast, or just go to scorenorth.com and click on Shows. That's Minnesota Sports Rewind. Adam Thielen caught up with the media today and discussed how he's feeling after sitting out last week due to an injury. Here's what he said. Oh, man, it's hard to put a number on it, but um, I feel good. I feel I feel like we progressed, and uh, like I said, I'm, I'm just, um, you know, I'll find out more every practice, and, and uh, I'll be able to kind of judge where I'm at, you know, after practice today and, and you know, Friday and Saturday and, and, and really, you know, Sunday before the game, so... Uh, in this league, it's all about being being close to 100% on game day, and um, you know, luckily, I got three, four more days to to get to that point. That's been your score north download. Now, now for the final segment of the day of Purple Daily. All right, back here on Purple Daily, Matthew Collar, Judd Zilgad, and Alex Boone. Um, Alex. Uh, Jonathan, as always, takes notes. Declan is away today, but Jonathan takes notes on things that you've said that are hardcore footballness, and we have you Mm -hmm. explain them at the end of the day on Thursday. So what do you got, Jonathan? I've got two from today. You said saw dog. Saw dog, baby. Sam and Will. That's what it stands for. Sam and Will outside. They're coming. They're blitzing. It's like a 3-4 when you have your Sam and your Will at stand up. If you just bring those two guys every time, that's a saw dog. Sounds like a drink. It really does. Give me a saw dog. Drink it. Let me tell you something. You don't want to drink it because it's going to kick you right in the mouth and it hurts. <laughs> Pulling guards, be alert. It comes quick. I'm telling you, it hurts. I've been hurting before, so I guess it'd be nothing new. And my other one was fly motion. Fly motion. Yeah, you know, if you were to have like the Y or the Z or the X go all the way across, that would be a fly. 
Okay. Fly across. There you go. And, and there's there's uh, jet, rocket, fly, orbit. Yeah. Orbit's my yeah, favorite one now. Judd loves orbit. Orbit. Well, you taught me that one. I didn't yeah. know that one. That's when uh, they go back behind the quarterback. The running back. Yeah. yeah. So. Or there's Casper motion, like stuff like Ooh. that. Like, there's, there's talk. Whoa, whoa, what? Casper the friendly ghost. Get it? Ghost motion? Yeah. Yeah, like if you hear somebody say Casper, Casper, you know, you get a motion. Well, what, is, what is that? What's one? the motion? Yeah. What's the motion? It's the same as what you just said. You're going to go behind the oh, running okay. back. So it's like you're faking, a, you're faking a reverse at the end of the play. So anytime you see them fake a reverse, like somebody comes back, the quarterback hands the ball to the running back at like the depth of four or five yards, and then there's a receiver that crosses over oh, for a okay. fake. That, that's a Casper motion. You just, it's the kind of the ghost. Play. I love yeah, the show. Great. Creativity. Uh, all right. Your hot take. Judd was that the Vikings should be interested in Josh Gordon. Oh yeah. Um, oh. Now this is an interesting one because Josh Gordon <laughs> is being released off of injured reserve today, and here would be my hesitation: mm-hmm. Why are the Patriots getting rid of Josh Gordon outside of okay, he's got an injury, but that shouldn't be that big of a deal. He can come back, and they did get Mohamed Sanu, so maybe they feel like they have a more reliable human being playing that same role. <laughs> yep, but. Josh Gordon is a really super talented player, and there has to be something off here beyond just him being dinged up for the Vikings, or or I'm sorry, for the Patriots to release him. And that would make me nervous if I was the Vikings. Do you agree with that, Alex? I would say no, because I feel like if you notice that they also unloaded on Michael Bennett, too. Yeah. Like they're just kind of getting rid of a few players. And normally I'd be like, yeah, there's something going on there, but it's the Patriots. And they just do this a lot. And they're like, hey, we're going to pick you up for a couple weeks. We're going to let you go. And then we guess what? In three weeks, we're going to pick you back up. Like, they just do this like weird, and players are so like okay with it. And I've talked to players that they've done it with, and they're like, "Dude, it's just totally cool." Like they're like, "Hey, listen, we'll be back in two weeks. We'll come get you." And what? <laughs> like, they just let you know how your life goes for the rest of the year. They're like, yeah, pretty much. The, they're um, like, all right. Who did they do this to? Well, they did it to Brett Jones this year, where they cut him, and then his locker stayed in the same spot. We're like, I think Brett Jones is coming back because usually they clean out the locker. Oh yeah, and then well. There's Brett Jones two weeks later. Uh, the, but, you know, the, the situation that they're in right now can be a really good one with their weapons. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure that they need Josh Gordon to be a part of it. I mean, Diggs and Thielen, when Thielen returns, are as good as it gets for pairs of receivers. I just thought it'd be interesting. Irv Smith has added a different element to this that I didn't even necessarily expect because I wasn't sure how good Irv Smith would be. Do we get to see him more, though? I think we do. Okay, yeah, for sure. I think we do. That was we my should. that was my tight end one joke. Is I think we he deserves to be in there. I think he does if, too. If they played almost every down with two tight ends, two wide receivers, and you force teams to decide, are we going to put in an extra linebacker? Are we going to put in a nickel corner to try and stop Irv Smith and stop the run with Delvin Cook? You are putting opponents in a really really difficult spot. I think that's better than having three wide receivers for this team right now. I'm so glad you said that because you've made so many mismatches based off just the personnel. And then not only that, but you've, you've just saved your offensive line because they got these big fat dudes in the middle that need to stop Dalvin, right? Like Snacks. Everyone's like, dude, Snacks is the greatest. Yes, I love when Snacks is out there on second down and we're going play action or, you know, we're going 52 protection where there's no running back in the backfield. Everybody knows his pass and Snacks is like, dude, I'm not well equipped for this. And I'm like, I know, dude. Let's just, <laughs> let's just stay here and pretend like Does we Snacks know what say we're that? Doing. Uh, no. Alex, no, I am but, not well equipped for this assignment. <laughs> no, but like you know, but snacks. You, it's like that. That's what an offensive lineman. You love things like that, and dude, they're doing a fabulous job with this twenty-two personnel. I love. I hope they keep going all weekend. All right, Alex. Before we wrap up, how do you think this plays out? Give us a result. Win. 
I think it's a win. I think that they go in and they just run the ball over this defense and kick them in the face. I think they're going to win as well. You wait till tomorrow, maybe, Judd? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, all right. I got to crunch more stuff. Uh, Another great week, Alex. Snacks. Thanks thanks for your time, man. Thanks so much, guys. All right, and thank you all for listening to Purple Daily. Coming up next, Mackie and Judd with Rami. Fights, World Series, all sorts of things to talk about. Keep it here to score North. This holiday season, Peloton's got a gift for you. Get up to $200 off accessories with the purchase of a Peloton bike, Bike Plus, or Tread. And take your workout to the next level with accessories like non-slip grip dumbbells, a heart rate monitor, cycling shoes, and more. Peloton, motivation that moves you. This limited time offer ends December 25th. Visit OnePeloton.com to learn more. All access membership separate. Offer ends December 25th. Cannot be combined with other offers. See additional terms at OnePeloton.com. The Venture X Card from Capital One gives you more of what you love, like premium travel benefits and access to Taylor Swift tickets. Oh, I do love her. Earn five times miles on flights and ten times miles on hotels through Capital One Travel. Enjoy your stay in Suite 13. Whoa, 13? That's Taylor's lucky number. Plus, get access to Taylor Swift The Eras Tour, presented by Capital One. Maybe I'll see you there. The Venture X Card from Capital One. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com for details.